phone connected to my laptop instead of my actual phone. Well, both of them. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, let's go ahead and get it. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads. Uh, I have a treat for you guys today. We got Terry back for you. Got, uh, back for another video with us. And this is about to be epic, right? So you already know on my YouTube channel, uh, Upload Past Crossroads, uh, I have a playlist on there titled uh, Questions of the Day or Questions from Social Media. Let me go to it real quick. So on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads, I have a, a playlist titled Questions from Social Media. And so this playlist has all the questions that me, Terry, and Justin, Justin answered from people from social media. So they DM us questions that they have, and we just do a video on it. So if you have any questions, you go ahead and go ahead and shoot us a DM on our social media platforms. I'll tell you that in a minute. But let's just go ahead and get to the question of the day that I got from uh, my Instagram page. So what's funny is I got this question a long time ago, <laughs> February 21st, 2021. So now I'm like seriously answering people's questions now. So uh, let's go ahead and read the question. So somebody DM'd me and asked me this question. I said, hope all is well. I asked about if God loves the house of Edom today. And you said yes. So this person asked me that on one of my uh, live streams I was doing on Instagram, on my underscore daily underscore Bible. That's one of my Instagram pages. My other Instagram page is Trouble Don't Last. So let's keep on reading the questions. So, yeah, I asked if, about if God loves the house of Edom today. You said yes. And while that is a fine answer, I would like you to address this in a video because scriptures like Obadiah 118, Malachi 1, 2 through 3, and it reiterated it in Romans 9, 11 to 14. Uh, if you could harmonize the words of God through Malachi and Obadiah and Paul quoting those words with your answer, that would be great. And I appreciate you being willing to give the answer. A lot of the Christian church run away, run far away when you mention anything outside of Paul. So I'll be looking out for the video, sir. All right. So me and Terry was talking about this on the phone before. And it was just so epic. So I can't wait for Terry to explain uh, everything he wants to explain. So the title of today's video, you know, God loves you no matter what. So you guys already know where we're going, but it's about to be epic. All right. So, yeah, Terry, I'll let you start it off. Well, you know, um, I mean, simple truth. I mean, the Old Testament always points to the need for Jesus, bottom line, and always there's a reoccurring scenario that happens over and over and over in the Old Testament. And that's where God is trying to show himself to his people, use his people, and his people reject him because of sin. And there's a sin uh, issue there where we have a need for a savior and his name is Jesus. What's interesting about the Old Testament is there was never a solution or a remedy to stop the power of sin all there was was a band-aid through animal sacrifices going to the priest every year and trying to find a way to bring atonement atonement doesn't deal with the core of sin it deals with the site of sin um the sin is still there the power of sin is still there but the purpose of atonement is to blind out or to uh, veil out what sin looks like to a holy God. And so the problem with that is, is the nature of people, they didn't have the ability or the empowerment to live up to the standards that God had set forth to them because there was no power over sin at that point. All atonement could do was cover the sin, but it couldn't deal with the power of sin. So therefore, Israel got themselves caught up time after time after time into a place of captivity because that's what sin does. When you reject the nature of God and you reject you reject uh, what God's trying to do in your life and, and, and the commandments of God, then judgment comes. It's not necessarily God trying to bring judgment against us or, um, you know, that there's some kind of penalty because you're sinning. No, what it simply is, is when you sin against God and you sin against the nature of God and holiness, 
then because he is holy, judgment comes. There's a judgment for sin. Sin brings forth death. We weren't designed or created to live in lifestyles of sin. We were originally created to live forever, but sin caused us to have an end date to our life. And these bodies are going to die because of sin. So with that being said, in the book of Obadiah, we can see the prophets that God had always used to bring forth a message to the people to repent and turn away from sin. And he always used the prophets to try to bring a voice from himself to the people so that the people would have an understanding of what God was trying to say. If we look at 1 John in the, in the Gospels, I mean, in the New Testament, not the Gospel of John, but what I call little John, 1 John, the nature of God is love. That's who he is. He's love. He can't change who he is because that's who he is. He's love. Now, I want to bring a balance to this because we tend to relate, well, God loves me. I can do whatever I want. No. There, there's, there's judgment to love, too. Um, I, I, I heard an old preacher say that sometimes love has a boot. And the boot kicks you in the butt. That's what love does. It doesn't destroy you. It disciplines you into being better. That's how God's love is. And so we can see a people here that were caught up in sin. Obadiah was trying to bring the message. And God loves his people, man. But the whole purpose of the Old Testament, you know, was to, was to show people we need a savior. We are in a conundrum that we can't fix. We are in a situation that we can't get out of. We are who we are and we can't change anything about ourselves. We have the need for a God to come into our life, the God, the only God, to come into our life and change us from the inside out because that's where change comes from. See, see, we as natural people, we tend to look to the outside for change. You know, I, I love what the Bible says. It says, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven is not a place of observation, for the kingdom of heaven is within you. Um, it's a nature change. It's something that goes on, on the inside of you that changes you to be different than what you've ever been before. And it's, a, and it's a battle every day. You have to make a decision about who you're going to listen to. Oh, but I was caught up in a situation. So the bottom line answer to this question is God's love never changes. God loved them like he loved anybody else. And God allowed them because he never forces us. He allowed them to reap what they had sowed because that's how the Bible works. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit, listen now, shall of the spirit reap everlasting life. So whatever you're sowing into, whatever the motivation of your heart is, whatever is the, the underlying um, motivation of your heart, wherever that comes from, is what you're going to read back. Um, really, I, I say it all the time. Uh, I say it all the time, Sean. I always say, that um, the key to this whole thing that we're doing here for Jesus and our living the Christian life, um, receiving all the benefits of the Bible and living the Christian life in victory, it only comes one way. Mm -hmm. One way. The simple solution to every problem that you're going to face in your life. And take it, take it from me. I know what I'm talking about. Do I do it all the time? Probably not. 
I'm like everybody else. I'm human. I'm no better than anyone else that's within the sound of my voice right now. But I will tell you this. The solution to your problem is surrender. Surrender. It's one key word. And you may be saying, Terry, how do you know this? Because at the end of the day that every struggle I've been through in my life, the, the, you know how they always say, you know how like there's a story that you hear or a story that you experience, but at the other end of it, there's a moral to the story. Mm-hmm. You know, what did you get from this? What did you learn? What I got from it was surrender. Because I don't have the ability to do anything in my own strength. Therefore, I need God to do it. Yeah. The only way God can do it is if I let him. I'm going to pull out more, uh, Terry. All right, so I'm going to go back to the question. All right, so guys, uh, as you know, for this video, uh, me and Terry, Terry is taking, we're taking up the time to answer somebody's question from social media. So somebody asked us, you know, does God love the house of Edom, right? So Terry, I need you to break down like you did when on the, on the phone call we had. I need you to break down who is the house of Edom, like from the Okay, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So we go back and we look at all the we look at all the enemies of Israel. We go all the way back to the genealogies. And you know, I've heard many people say they're reading the Bibles, but they don't like reading the genealogies. That they really have no relevancy to the Bible, and that's so untrue because the the all of the uh, genealogies of the Bible they they have two they have two lines they have the uh cain line they have the abel seth line when rebellion happened in the garden of eden there was a division that took place there um a separation between god and man and between brother and brother and the genealogies were defined at that point and going forward throughout the entire history of, of the world these genealogies have never stopped or ceased to exist so when we see the rebellion again when cain killed abel and when you go to a little forward and you move into um ham shem and japheth who were the sons of noah and it talks about how um, I believe it was Ham had exposed his father's nakedness. And, you know, that's what it says in the King James. But if you translate that, it, it just basically means that that he went out there and spread gossip about his father. And God is real big on honoring your authority. And so he exposed his father to his brothers. And therefore he lost his uh, God right to, in, to inherit the uh, genealogy of Jesus. He, he stepped out of the line. We see Esau and Jacob, same thing. You know, uh, Jacob, uh, Esau sold his birthright to his brother Jacob and therefore lost his right in the genealogy of Jesus. But if you pay really close attention to these genealogies, you will see as time goes on throughout the history of the Bible that all the enemies of Israel came through the genealogy of Cain. And I, I know there's a lot of uh, debate on a lot of the genealogy stuff, but I mean, I'm not telling you something that's not in the Bible. Just study it out for yourself. I'm not trying to give you a doctrine or something I created out of my head or my, my, my you know, whatever. It, it's in the Bible. Just read it. So when um, Abraham and Sarah w- had m- received the promise from God to receive a son, and he showed Abraham the vision that your, your descendants will be as the multitudes of the stars in the sea, he gave him these big promises and told him, look, you know, you're going to, you know, your descendants are going to be beyond anything that you could ever imagine. Him and Sarah got in a hurry because when God made the promise, it didn't happen right away. You know, which so often happens in our life when God gives us a promise, we get in a hurry 
and we try to push it forward. And God says, just wait, because everything there's a season and the season's always going to be on time. Just wait, because because church, listen, when God makes a promise to you, he has to get you ready to receive it, because if he gives it to you too soon, you will mess it up. So not only does he want to give you the promise, but he has to get you ready and mature enough to keep it when you get it. Okay, they got ahead of God. And Sarah told Abraham, here, sleep with my maid, Hagar. And he did, as we so often do, get ahead of God. And they had a son, and his name was Ishmael. And Ishmael was where all the Asian, uh, the um, Middle Eastern countries come from, okay? The Muslims and all that kind of stuff came through the okay not only that if you trace it out you can see where the Moabites, the hevites the jebusites all the ites in the bible and egypt and the Moabites, and all of these enemies that later become enemies to israel come from that genealogy okay now here's the million dollar question does God love him? Yes, he does. Because that's who he is. I'm going to give you a case in point. Let's let's personalize this for a minute. Because if we read the book of Romans, we can see where God has blessed Israel, the Jews. He talks about the the, the olive branch, you know, the you know, being severed and us being grafted in as believers, the Gentiles, us, you, me, Americans. The infidels, the, the, you know, the non-Jewish people <laughs> have been grafted into that vine by the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. And now we've been grafted into this vine. We become part of that genealogy. Praise the Lord. And so it's not about being Jewish. It's about being a, a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. It's his sacrifice and what he did through his atonement and the, the, the redemptive work of the cross, of what he did for us on the cross that enables us to have the ability, the empowerment, and the right to be grafted into this genealogy of Jesus. And... So when you when you look at this, I mean, if you say he didn't love Obadiah, he didn't love Obadiah, or he didn't love you know any uh, of the Moabites, Hebites, Jebusites, and, and the Egypt and all and all of these people, then you're saying he didn't love you because part of that nature or part of that genealogy, we're all part of that. We're all part of that. We're all part of that Cain lineage. But because of the redemptive work of the cross and what Jesus did on the cross, we were able to go into the genealogy of Jesus. <clears throat> and you know, if, if, and what I think is interesting is if you think I'm wrong, let's go back and look at the history of the Bible. You can see where um, Rahab, uh, what was it in Jericho? She was grafted in. Mm -hmm. um, what was it? Um, uh, Ruth, the book of Ruth. She was a Canaanite, right? She was a Canaanite. Yeah. She was grafted in. Yeah. And I want to like, <laughs> I want you to keep on mentioning people like that. That's what we did on the phone. So like, um. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to the question. So the guy asked, does God love the house of Edom? So you're basically asking, does God love Edomites? You know, does God love Canaanites? Does God love Sodomites? Like there's a lot of Ikes in the Bible, right? Like all around Israel, I was trying to find a map of like all the surrounding nations around Israel, northern and southern Israel. And like you had Canaanites, uh, Jebusites. There, there's a lot of Ikes like <laughs> right beside mm -hmm. them. Like they were encompassed with all these different nations. 
and like and what they was, came from that other genealogy yeah and like that's that's the whole point so like god's whole point was what to reach the gentiles to reach the nations he, he didn't just want the jews to be saved and only the jews that was nice and mo he didn't just want his people to have him and nobody else no he wants the whole world to have him he wants the whole world to be filled with his love and to get his help and to have him as their god instead of all these pagan idols right so like going back to what uh terry was saying like in the genealogy of jesus in matthew chapter one it's one of my favorite chapters in the bible like if you look at that genealogy genealogy four or five women are mentioned so ruth is mentioned rahab is mentioned tamar is mentioned i don't even know what tamar is and we know it's a debate which tamar it is and who else was it uh was it Bathsheba? was she yeah she was in the lineage too <laughs> so okay so what was their genealogies i, don't, I can't speak for Bathsheba and um tamar but i can't speak for ruth and uh, rahab so we know like terry was saying the canaanites they were looked down upon by the <laughs> by the jews <laughs> they were always i think the canaanites or the Moabs, yes, yeah, the Moabites, the Moabites, like who name a Moabite like that that's saved Terry in the Bible, like like there's different people that God used from different nations at a time, like you get you get what I'm saying, like so I yeah. wonder I wonder who 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 would be in that list, but either way it goes. Before you answer that question, uh, yeah, Tamar and Rahab are in Jesus's genealogy. This one of Jesus's ancestors, so pagans like. <laughs> People from a pagan nation, Gentiles, like they're a part of Jesus. They helped to make Jesus. Like you get what I'm saying. So you talking about God doesn't love anybody in the house of Eden? Are you kidding me? Like what? God doesn't love the Canaanites? Well, I mean, <laughs> John, to say to even say such a thing would be questioning the character and who God is. The Bible clearly says that God is love. Mm -hmm. Listen to me, church. Listen to me. I'm going to bless you with something. Love is a standard, man. And anything that's inconsistent with his love brings judgment. Listen, church. Not his judgment. Judgment with the inconsistency of his love causes you to reap what you sow. It comes back to you because you're not living up to the standard of his love. It's not that he is bringing judgment against you. It's just the way holiness is purity. Love is pure. And anything that doesn't live up with the consistency of purity and the holiness and love dies. That's why sin brings forth death. Yeah. It isn't that God is bringing that judgment against these people. It's that the character of who he is automatically produces judgment. Man, mm -hmm. that's huge. And when we really get a hold of that truth, it changes how we see God. It changes how we see Jesus. It's, it changes how, because listen, in the Old Testament, there was a conundrum. It could not be fixed. The priest couldn't fix it. You couldn't live righteous enough to fix it you couldn't obey every commandment there was to fix it it did not work judgment was coming regardless because there was nothing to stop it because nothing could live up to the standard of god's holiness righteousness and love and the only one that could stop that judgment Jesus Christ. And that's why we become righteous through his sacrifice for us. When we have been grafted into that line, that lineage, when we've been grafted into the sacrifice of Jesus through our faith in what he who he is and what he did for us, then judgment stops because he dealt with the source of judgment. The source of judgment demanded a love sacrifice. And love conquered that sin. So that when we remain in the spirit of love, sin has no power over us. Mm. There is a place that we can get to. 
don't shoot me when I say this. There's a place that we can get to in, the, in his love that we don't sin. I'll let you chew on that one for a minute. But that's true. See, listen. You can't know. No, let me let me rephrase that. You can't love the way he wants you to love until you know how much he loves you. Man, I break down right now. I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to go. Uh, let's go back to that question real quick. I want to pull out more. Like, um, so the guy asked me, you know, does God love the house of Edom? Then he asked, you know, he said that's a fine answer that if I said that God loves the house of Edom. Okay, so that's what we basically said. So now he wants us to break down these scripture verses. I'll do that in a minute. But I yeah. just want. I want to point out this though. Oh, you are you going to say something, Terry? No, I was just going to ask you. I wanted I wanted you to pull those scriptures up. Yeah, I, I got them pulled up. Uh, so uh, before I even go there, I want to talk about. He said, and he said, if you could harmonize the words of God through Malachi and Obadiah and Paul quoting those words with your answer. So that's what we're about to do. He said that would be great, and I appreciate you being willing to give the answer. A lot of the Christian church. This is the thing that got me. Me and Terry talked about this on the phone. He said a lot of the Christian church run far away when you mention anything outside of Paul. That's not true. Like, there's a lot of people who only believe the Old Testament, and that's it. They don't even think the New Testament's relevant. And then there's some people, Paul made most of the New Testament. So, like, people don't like Paul. Like, there's a lot of people that can't stand Paul. They pick their favorite apostle, their favorite book of the Bible. That's what they hone in on. Like, so it's different types of people. So I get what he's saying. Like, some people do, like, hone in on Paul's words. So... I mean, I get what you're saying, but that's not true, too. So, okay, but let's talk about the scripture verses. So when it comes to this question, you know, does God love the house of Edom? So this verse says this, Obadiah 118. I think I'm reading from the NIV. I can't remember. But it says the people of Israel will be a raging fire and Edom a field of dry stumble. The descendants of Joseph will be a flame roaring across the field, devouring everything. There will be no survivors in Edom. I, the Lord, have spoken. So. I know nothing about Obadiah. <laughs> so Terry, he bust us with this. Like, well, God was telling you know. It goes back to what I said before. Um, let, let Let's start out with Obadiah one. It kind of speaks for itself. The vision of Obadiah. So God had spoke to Obadiah. He gave him a vision, and he said, "Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom." So Obadiah was a prophet that was sent to Edom to bring a message from God. And he said, we have heard a rumor from the Lord and an ambassador is sent among the heathen Araji and let us rise up against her in battle. Behold, I have made thee small among the heathen, thou art great. So basically, um, they were fixing to go to war. They were fixing to be, uh, they were fixing to be consumed. And they were a small nation. And God's saying, listen, you know, um, I, I want to give you victory. But in Obadiah 1 3, it says, The pride of thine heart has deceived thee. You know, you're dwelling in the clefts of the rock. And uh, who shall bring me down to the, you know, I, I, this is so relevant because this is how a lot of us are. We get we get things going good or, you know, things, things are going our way. And then all of a sudden we get prideful. And then we start to think, Who's going to bring me down? <laughs> who's going to bring me down? And these people were in a place of pride. And he said, he said, though thou exalt thyself as the eagle and thou hast set thy nest among the stars, I will bring thee down, said the Lord. Um, you know, just going right to that point right there, let's just summarize the whole thing. It's basically the same scenario that we see reoccurring over and over and over in the Old Testament. God is saying, I want to be your God, but there's a standard that you have to live up to. In order for me to dwell among you, in order for you to follow me, in order for me to do great things in your nation. And the people were prideful. They, I love the old, the uh, King James said they were stiff-necked. And 
you know, they shook their fists at God. They're, we're not going to do it. We're going to do this in our own strength and we're going to live the way we want to. Okay. God says, okay, I've sent you a prophet. I'm sending you the word. I'm giving you something. I'm going to bring you down. But what I really want you to understand is if we get so, I, I hear people say, oh, God's going to get you for that. God's going to get you. God allows what you allow. God gives you what you want. These people were in rebellion and God let them get conquered. Did that change his love for them? No. I could just imagine God sitting up there only weeping. So, so disappointed and heartbroken. I'm going to give you an example. Have you ever seen somebody in a situation and you just shook, tried to shake them and tell them what to do because you knew the answer and they just didn't do it? I mean, have you ever been so frustrated with somebody that you see in a certain situation or circumstance and you have a little bit more wisdom than they do and you're sitting there trying to tell them how to get out of it, how to stop it from happening and they just make it worse because they won't listen? How did you feel when that happened? If you multiply that times billions and billions and billions, that's how God feels about a lot of us. Because you love somebody so much, you want the best for them. And you want to give them the best advice that you can to help them to get out of it so that you can show them your love. Have you ever been in love with another woman or a girl? I mean, a guy? If you ever just love somebody so much that you just wanted to just, you know, do everything that you could to, to, to show them your love and they rejected you, how did you feel? Crushed. But did it change, but it did, did it change your love for them? No. It broke your heart. And this is the scenario that we see over and over and over again. And I tell a story, it's it's a paraphrased story, and it's my story. And but I could just picture this in my mind. I could just see the Father in heaven looking down on the earth and crying. Now I'm not saying this is what God is or does. I'm just looking at it from a human side. If God was human, what would it look like? He's sitting up in heaven and he's looking down at his creation and he wants to love him so much. But his whole creation is rejecting him. And he's heartbroken. And here's Jesus, his son, comes running in the room. Hey, dad, hey, dad, what's going on? And he sees his dad crying. And he's like, Father, what's wrong? And he says, son, I just don't understand my creation won't love me the way I love them. And Jesus is probably weeping at this point too because he's seeing his father so in such despair he doesn't know what to do. And he says, Father, I love you. I want to do something. What can I do to help? Jesus saw the conundrum. God saw the conundrum. Sin is so powerful, it's separating me from my very creation. Man, simply put, he said, Jesus, my son, I have to, I have to send you down there to fix this thing that sin is destroyed. It's the only way we can fix this. this is, you have to go. And he said, Dad, whatever I gotta do to make this right and to bring happiness to you, I'll do it. And that's exactly what he did. He sacrificed himself. Are you ready? Not only for us, but for his father. That changes the whole dynamic of this sin nature and what God really had to sacrifice in order to deal with it. Because when you really, 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 really understand how much he loves you, then you can trust him and then you can receive that love and that love will cause you to be so broken 
that you want to love others the same way. It's a scenario where God is trying to speak and listen to me. When he made that statement, let me read it again. When he said, you, you know, you're you're dwelling on high, you know, the Lord, you've said in your heart, who shall bring us to the ground? You exalt thyself. You know, and he said in one in Obadiah one five, if thieves came to thee, if robbers by night, how are you know you could would they not have stolen till they had enough? If the grape gatherers came to thee, would they not leave some grapes? How are the things of Esau searched out? How are his hidden things sought up? All the men of thy confederacy. So if you look at this, you can see where he's mentioning Esau. You know, that's that lineage that came from Jacob and Esau. Esau sold his birthright to his brother, who was the younger one, who technically wasn't supposed to be the inheritor. Esau was. And they, you know, how many of you know that you are what you're attached to? You are the company that you keep. You can't, if you're keeping bad company, you're going to be bad company. If, if you got a bad background, then you're going to be a bad, you're going to be bad. you got to change something about what you've been doing so you can have something different than what you got right now. I mean, the, the million dollar question is, yes, he loved them, but they rejected him. By their own pride and their own ego. And he allowed them through much pain. To reap what they sow. It's like um, you love somebody so much, man, and you want to do so much for them, but yet they reject you. Just think about how many times that's happened to you and how you felt. And that's exactly how God feels about you when you reject him. Does it change his love for you? No. And I'm sure it grieves his heart to watch the judgment come. Mm -hmm. I love grace, man. <laughs> That's what we need. Like, I want, I want to hone in on that, Terry. Like, so the guy asked, you know, does God love the house of Edom? That's like saying, does God love the Hittites? Does God love the Canaanites? Does God love the Moabites? Does God love black people? Does God love white people? Does God love Indians? Does God love Native Americans? Does God love gay people? Does God love... Uh, homosexuals, you know, does God love transgenders? Does God love, I keep on going, does God love an ant? Does God love a bird? Like, you know, like, it's his creation. He made it. And I want to use an analogy. I wish I could have like a little toy set. I can't wait to get my own house and have like a toy set to do. But I'm God, right? Like, let's say I'm God, right? This little analogy. And I make little toys in my image. So just like me, they look just like me, they act just like me. They're like me. I make little toys in my image, right? And they're just walking around and i make like a whole area for them like a whole area a whole earth just for them right and i breathe life into them they come to life and they can interact with each other and do things i made everything i know how everything should work i made it right so obviously it'd be smart to listen to me if i tell you what to do right how many people don't listen to god right it's his creation he made everything he orchestrated everything everything has a purpose like he knows more than you and everybody to ever exist. The per wisest person on earth, let's say the wisest person on earth is 120 years old, like right now, or 101, right? Let's say they're the wisest. How long has God existed? He's older than them. He knows way more than them. There's nobody that knows more than God, right? So it's stupid to just argue with him, right? So using that analogy, you know, does God love the things that he made? Like, does he care about them? Like, that's like asking, does he care about them? Does he want what's best for them? Like, does he... Yes, the scripture verses. Some scripture verses say, like, uh, you know, God doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to repent and turn to him, right? God is slow. You know, why doesn't God just get rid of bad people altogether and stop all the hurt, hurt, hurt harm, and danger going on in the world? Because he's slow to anger, right? He's slow to anger. That's a lot of scripture verses. So he wants everybody to be saved. That's why he's slow to anger. He's giving everybody opportunity, many opportunities to come to him everybody not some people not only black people not only white people no everybody he wants everybody to turn to him he wants all in, in a hypothetical world a perfect scenario for god 
he will want every single person throughout all creation to be in heaven with him. And matter of fact, before the fall even happened, he wanted everybody to just bask in his presence and be with him. Everybody. That was the one truth in all creation before the fall of the Garden of Eden and all that stuff. God was there with us. He was in our midst. Like, you know, like <laughs> now because of sin, because everybody wants to do their own thing. I'm going to use a scripture verse as an example. It's one of my favorite ones of all time. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. It relates to the Romans 9 verse that he, he said a little bit, but not really. So this verse touches my heart so much. Hebrews 12, 16 says, see that no one is sexually immoral or godless. That's the word. Godless like Esau. Godless like the Hittites, the Canaanites, the Moabites. Like they're their ways of worshiping and putting forth their gods above the living God. They even, they just thought yes. the living God was another God, right? So how many people do yes. that today? They think Beyonce's a God. They think Cardi B's a God. They think basketball's a God. You know, they think money's a God, being famous a God, right? God, you know, godless, that's godless, right? So some people, most people are like Esau, right? Who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. All right, I'm going to hone in on that. <laughs> so for temporary satisfaction, for a yep. temporary fix, for something that's going to satisfy him just a little bit, just for a moment, right? Esau sold everything. You guys get that? Like Esau threw away not just his birthright. Like Esau could have been the father of many nations, basically, just like Abraham. Like, you know, like... <laughs> He could have been in the lineage of Jesus. He could have been with all the blessings that that entails. Oh, the, the 12 tribes of Israel came from Jacob. That, that was his birthright. The 12 tribes of Israel in Revelation 21 22, the last chapters of the Bible, the 12 tribes of Israel's their names are written on the gates to the new heaven and the new earth. The capital that we're going to have, of the new Jerusalem, like the gates, the names on the pearly gates are the 12 tribes of israel so it would have been esau's children what do you think god would have done with esau <laughs> his birthright he threw it away for a bowl of soup how many people do that how many people throw away god's blessings god god's presence god's love for a human being for money for sex i don't care you know so this is the point of this video you know does god love the edomites yes like he wants he wants he wanted Esau to receive the blessing, but he knew yes. he didn't want it. There's a lot of people on this world in this world that don't want God. They don't want anything God has to offer. They don't want to accept anything that God has. Like that's not true to them. And that's stupid because they're gonna be just like Esau, right? I don't even know if Esau's in heaven or hell. Like, I don't think anybody knows that. Like, he's just in a different, like all together, <laughs> all together from everybody else. But he's separated. That's there's no doubt about it. His people. In him, we're separated from everything that 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 had to do with God. Everything. Let me yeah. Let me bring a balance to what you just said because you said you don't know where Esau is. Here's the mm -hmm. deal: just because you reject God, just because you miss God, is not a deal breaker. Right. It's it's what you do in the long haul. You know, it, it's what you do in the end. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, it's not a deal breaker. And I really want to speak that truth right now because I know there's a lot of people that may be watching this video and they be thinking, well, there you go. There's no hope for me. Yeah. No, don't, don't receive that because that's not, that's not true. It's not a deal breaker. Esau is more than likely in heaven just because he sold his birthright doesn't mean he went to hell. Mm -hmm. It just means he missed out on what God wanted to do, but make no mistake. Did God know it was going to happen? Sure. He did. He already knew. He already had a contingency plan in place. Um, thank God for the contingency plan in our own lives when we mess up. Thank God that he's got a contingency plan already planned out because he knows how crazy and flaky we already are. You know, I've seen it many times in my own life. Thank God. I'm probably on God's 100th contingency plan in my own life. Maybe thousands. Who knows? A lot of them. Thank God brought a contingency plan in my own life. You know, and, and I believe that he had that for, for the Moabites, too. You know, Obadiah, he, what I love about God is, is he is going to send somebody your way to give you the word that you need to get the victory that he wants you to have. 
But at the end of the day, you have your own free will, and it's up to you whether or not you receive it or not, you know? Um, yeah, sin's fun for a while, you know? And you could use you could use that soup that Esau sold his birthright for. That soup could be could be your soup. What is your soup? Is it pornography? Is it sex? Is it money? Is it drugs? Is it anger? Whatever that is, whatever it looks like for you, that's your soup. And if you don't get it right, you're going to lose it. So the whole moral of this entire story, if we summarize it, is this. Yes, he loved the Moabites. Yes, he sent Obadiah to speak a message of warning. Hey, guys, you're in pride right now. You better do something or I'm going to bring you down. I mean, yeah, Galatians says uh, it talks about the, the reaping and the sowing, the principles. Those are principles, by the way, people. The, the Bible's full of principles. We, you know, you don't just look at it from the historical perspective or, you know, what you look at it. You look a lot. A lot of the things that you learn in the Bible are principles. And this was a principle here. You know, um, when you sow to the flesh, when you take something that is of the flesh and you sow to that flesh, you receive corruption. It's going to die. It's going to come to naught. It's not going to. It's not going to do accomplish anything. It's going to. It's. It's going to. It's going to fall apart, and it will more than likely destroy you. But when you sow to the to the spirit, come on, boy, preach. It's what comes from the spirit that you sow into. God's already given you the prophet. Listen to the prophet when the prophet shows up and he's trying to give you a warning. Hey, everybody, humble yourselves. You're in pride. Oh, Lord, help me right now. Fix my, fix me because I can't do it. If I'm in pride, I can't even see. Look, I'm going to listen to this uh, prophet, man, and uh, I'm going to repent. I'm going to get right because I know that um, your way is way better than mine. And so that's what this message really is all about, to answer your question. And, you know, I really don't like splitting hairs, you know, um, well, this and that, the Bible says, I, I don't like splitting hairs. I, I believe the Bible is very clear in the principles, you know, and he loves us. And you can't do anything about it and you can't change the fact that he loves you. But what you can do and what you do have control of is what you let that love do in you and for you. Simple as that. If you reject his love, um, I was talking to a, 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 another pastor friend of mine that works at the place I'm working at, and uh, and he's a pastor. And I and I mentioned to him about um, I mentioned to him about the love of God, you know. And we were talking about how much God loves us, and and he was talking about how he's seen so many p people reject it. You know, and what happens to him, you know, that's the only unforgivable sin. The only unforgivable sin is receiving salvation in Jesus Christ. Blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, that, that blasphemy is, re it's not only speaking it out of your mouth. It's a lifestyle that rejects God. And that's why it's the only unforgivable sin. Blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, the unforgivable sin, because it's rejecting God. Rejecting his empowerment in your life to live the way he wants you to. And that's the only unforgivable sin. And did he do it? No. Did he bring judgment against you? No. Did he stop loving you? No. Did he stop wanting the best for you and you to come out of it? No. You willingly said no. Mm -hmm. Just like we see in this scenario with the with the uh, Moabites. Yeah. That's what I want to focus in on too. Like he asked about Romans 9. That's He basically answered his questions with Romans 9, 11 to 14. You guys know Jacob and Esau's story. Like God already said before they were born, he told their mother like, the older will serve the younger. That was the promise. Like, 
because he already knew the heart and the desires of Esau. And you want to know something? About, yeah, like, and you want to know something with God? God's not going to force himself upon you. That's love. Like, if God forced everybody to like automatically serve him and love him, that's not love. But if God gives everybody free will, free will, free will, and a choice and a decision to serve him and love him, that's true love right there. That's, that means somebody really wants to be with you, right? So Esau, Esau, at least when it came to his birthright, right? Just when it came to his birthright. He didn't give a dang, right? <laughs> so Jacob loved, you know, it says that God, God said, Jacob, I love, but Esau, I hate it. Like, those are strong words. But you got to understand, like, God hates that we choose sin. God hates that we want to be, because if you choose sin, you're choosing to be separated from him. He hates that. I'm not saying really that he hates Esau. Like, let's be real. Like, <laughs> if he, let me, that, no, that's contradictory. Right, we just told you that he loved the Edomites, the Canaanites, Esau. He loves everybody. That doesn't change. It's that he hates the decisions and the choices that they make because he hates sin. Like if there's he just like uh, because Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins, it's just like when he was at the cross, right? Jesus could God can't even look at Jesus. It said Jesus asked, "Where are you, God?" Like because he took on sin. That's what sin does. It blinds. It blinds God's protection. God's blinded to you at that point. He can't do anything for you. The head of protection is gone. Like, you're literally far, so far away from him, so far gone that he can't help you, right? I mean, he can help you. You guys get what I'm saying? So, like, I'm going to go to verse 14 of Romans 11. Uh, yeah, Romans 9, 11 through 14. This was the most powerful part to talk about in our video, man. Like, what then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. Like Paul said, like, he's not unjust. If somebody chooses sin, and chooses to be separated from him in anything like that, right? He can only let you go there because that's love. Again, he's not going to force you to accept what he wants you to accept. Now, how many people do that in marriage? Like, like you got uh, these men who's abusing their authority and forcing women to do things or vice versa. That's not love, right? So that's like, like so many broken relationships and stuff, but they don't love like God. But anyways, mm -hmm. <laughs> Malachi chapter one, verse three through four, you know, but Esau I've hated and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild, rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord God Almighty says. They may rebuild, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land of people always under the wrath of God. The same thing. If you choose sin, you're under the wrath of God. He's you're you forsaken him at that point. So now yeah, you're God. you're led to fend for yourself. Oh, go ahead. What what is the wrath of God? Right. The wrath of God, like if I was to word it, the wrath of God is judgment. And judgment is hell on earth. Like, you know what I mean? It's hell. Like, you know, and hell is the penalty of sin. You know, so it's yeah, consequences the wrath of your sin. Of God. Yeah. The wrath of I just had to tie in with you, man. I'm walking with you. Yeah. But I really want you to understand the wrath of God is the principle. God allowing you to reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. That's the wrath. It's not God up in heaven trying to do evil things in your life, trying no. to beat you down and trying to bring discipline. No, it's not. Yeah. Love is free choice. You reap the consequences of of those choices that's his wrath yeah. allowing you to reap what you sow is god's way of expressing his wrath you know you know the you, grace of god protects us from reaping what we sow yeah. when you asked that question i thought about adam and eve because <laughs> like you know they, it's free will right like they chose to eat from the tree and chose the consequences from eating from the tree. Now, if they would have got the full hindsight's 2020, they would have known like the full scope of what they were doing. I don't they probably would have never did it. But I don't know, you know. But uh either way it goes, like they chose that. Now they gotta live with the consequences. So going back to the question, you know, Edomites do the same thing. Everybody's a sinner, everybody makes mistakes, everybody falls and in, into sin and temptation, all that stuff, right? So to say, you know. He asked, does God love the Edomites? Okay, does God love Adam and Eve? Because we all make mistakes. We're all uh, under sin. Like, I'm going to be real. Like, I feel like everybody's sin still. I feel like nobody's perfect and nobody made it. Because if, if you were, you'll die. Like, 
Nobody's yeah. without sin until you get to heaven. So all of us got work we need to do. So in a, in a nutshell, everybody's a sinner, right? <laughs> so we can't, we can't look at another person like, man, they sin more than me. No, you still sin. And even uh, sinning in the littlest of ways, you can still end up in damnation, still end up in hell. Just just uh, messing up in the law at a little tittle. That's the word. That's the that's the verse. That's what it says. This little slight can get you. So yeah, that's the that's the that's the question, guys. Us answering it. So you good with that, uh, Terry? You get you answered it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just I want to just you know uh, just pray right now. If that, okay. if, is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. I want to just pray that you know I just feel like the, the anointing you know is here and you know in this uh, message today. Because I believe that, you know, this scenario or, or this, you know, what we're talking about tonight, this scenario, the discussion is very relevant to a lot of people out there right now. All of us. We all we all need this. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know that God loves you. So my prayer for you tonight is that God will express to you and show you and open your eyes to a new level of his love for you. Because once you once you start to understand that and tapping into that love. Look, that's when you'll start to grow in Christ and to be more Christ-like and you'll start to have joy and peace. Um, I can't tell you how many places I go every day and the people that I'm around that are in such despair and they call themselves Christians and they call themselves churchgoers. Yet they have no victory. They have no power. They walk in total defeat every day. They're, they're depressed. They have anxiety. They just live in a place of fear every day. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? They're so driven by emotions and feelings that they can't even get out of their soul and get into the spirit. My prayer for you tonight is that God will open your eyes to show you how much he loves you. And the challenge, my challenge to you is when you are experiencing this, close your eyes and picture him on the cross. And picture the pain and the suffering that he went through so that you could have victory. Listen, you don't have to wait to get to heaven to have victory. You can have it right now and enjoy all the benefits of victory until you get to heaven and then have more when you get there. I love you. Thank you for allowing me to be on this platform tonight. God bless you. Yeah, guys, that's Terry uh, J. Phillips, man. You guys make sure to support his uh, social media platforms. Terry, Terry's my Paul. I always call him my Paul. So uh, I feel like everybody needs a Paul, Timothy, and Barnabas in life. So I'll describe that on another video. But here goes his YouTube channel. So make sure to subscribe to it and turn on post notifications so you know when he upload, uploads another video. His uh, YouTube channel is titled Vessels of uh, Victory Ministry. Then he also has a Facebook page of Vessels of Victory. So Make sure to go to uh, this page and like all his posts, you know, whenever he posts um, and support him on there as well. And then also his Facebook page is right here, Terry J. Phillips. So, you know, make sure to uh, like all his stuff that he posts again. Be friend him. You can ask him questions as well on his Facebook page uh, if you want us to do a video on a question as well. And then here goes my social media platforms. All of them are right here. Uh, so just pause the video and go to all of them. I got the best social media pages ever, I feel like. So just go there, <laughs> like all my pages, follow all of them. And for real, like, guys, I work, I work very hard on them. Like, you'll see it. All right. Um, but like I was saying, on my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads, I have a lot of playlists on there tailored towards helping people if they're looking for certain topics and stuff like that. So this one is questions of the day. So this is where this video is going to be at. So if you want to. If you got any questions, again, uh, any questions that me, Terry, and Justin answer will be on this playlist. That's the first thing. Second thing is uh, if you want to see more videos that we answer, uh, more videos of questions that we answered on social media, check out this playlist. And then also I have a playlist on Terry, like all the videos I did, did with him. I got about four more I need to add here still. But, yeah, this is our playlist right here, all the videos I've done with Terry. So check out this playlist. You want to see more videos with Terry. Uh, and then also – you know, DM me on my Facebook page as well. You know, Sean Christopher Jenkins. I can answer your questions as well. All right. Yeah, but that's the video, guys. I pray everybody enjoy it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'll go live again. Uh, I'm not done today yet. So you guys have a great rest of your weekend. If we don't hear from you again, and Christ's victory is your victory, like Terry says. If you if you ran for president.
That would be his slogan. Crisis victory is your victory. victory is our victory all the time. Right. So you guys, you guys have a great one. Talk to you guys later. Peace.